Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking to boomer women for some time now. I suppose if I really think about it, I've been talking to boomer women most of my adult life. And that continues with this podcast, and I must admit, I am loving the conversations. However, there's something else going on at Two Boomer Women these days. I'm interviewing men, too, once a month where possible, and it's called Monthly Man Day. These men have a message for us boomer women, and maybe you can interest the man in your life into tuning in, too. Today is Monthly Man Day. Sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. Hi, Agnes here. Before we start on this week's episode, I want to let you know this is part two of my conversation with Alexis. Last week, he explained cannabis in its different forms and went through the components to help us understand what we might be looking for. Super informative, so if you didn't catch that episode, I really recommend you do listen to it. In this second part, Alexis gives us great reasons to grow our own. He talks about cannabis in his home when he has young children and it's used by people with dementia. We go into cannabis medicine, and then he gives us more thoughts about other herbs he grows and some of their uses. I never know whether to say herbs or herbs. (laughs) Anyways, Alexis really is amazingly knowledgeable, and I truly appreciate how much he's sharing with us. Finally, please stay tuned as he shares his optimistic outlook and acknowledges the wisdom we elders have. By this week, you may have missed the opportunity to join his current cannabis medicine course, but if you're interested in learning more about cannabis, he has a growing course starting, I think it's in April, and there are more medicine courses coming this year. Contact Alexis for more information. Um, I don't imagine he'll find a more knowledgeable teacher, believe me. Now, here's part two of my conversation with Alexis Burnett of Organigrow Canada. And as I said, it's not really about getting high. It's, it's about managing your, your pain or managing your health. So if you just start slow and uh, start low and go slow, um, you shouldn't have any issues. You mentioned earlier, I'm just thinking about in terms of growing your own. It's you've, you've taught us a lot already in the time we've been speaking. You've already mentioned that the cost, like I'm just thinking out here on the West Coast, we have all sorts of, and I'm going to use the air quotes, green stores where people can just walk in and buy whatever they want to try. But what are the advantages besides price? Reassure us that there's really good reasons uh, to grow your own. Good, good question. Yeah, I like that one. Well, or, organic is, is really important to me. You know, I, I like to eat organic food. I, I know it can be pricey, but we, we grow mo- pretty much all of our own food here on the farm. But I, I don't like chemicals on my food, nor do I like it in my medicine. Now, that's my, my personal preference, you know. So I, I think it's important to have organic cannabis, and it's important to know what's in it. The Health, Health Canada has approved, I believe, 18 or more different pesticides that can be used on cannabis. It's just like in our food industry, there's all kinds of, of stuff that is, air quotes again, uh, safe for us that can be sprayed all over our food and is backed by science that it's safe. But there's still a part of me that enjoys organic food and I like to know what's in it. You know, I, I think as consumers, we, we should know what's in it. 
And you may not know, even when you're buying from licensed producers um, that are licensed through Health Canada in this country. So I think that's a big benefit is just knowing what is in in your cannabis, knowing that it's if, if organic is important to you, then knowing that it was growing organically, knowing that it wasn't sprayed with pesticides and insecticides, knowing that it has a low footprint, I think is important as well. A lot of cannabis produced on the legal market in Canada and, and throughout the world, uh, for that matter, is produced indoors and it's produced um, under lights and it's produced by using a huge amount of electricity. So there's a really heavy carbon footprint there. Um, and I think with climate change, as, as you're seeing in BC and where we see it here in Ontario, everywhere, the, and sometimes the further north you go, the more you see the effects of climate change. But while well, we look into California and wildfires as well, it's another huge way, um, all these different things that are happening. It's important to me to be environmentally uh, responsible and supporting companies and businesses that are growing cannabis in, in a good way. And that's why I think growing it yourself, one, you know, it's organic, if that's important to you, you know exactly what's been put in it. And you know that you are hopefully doing a good thing to the earth. <laughs> you know, we're, we're big proponents of organic and what we would call regenerative growing, meaning that when we grow things on our farm here, we, we want to make the land and the soil more healthy. You know, I want my children to grow up in a healthy world. I, I want my grandkids to grow up in a healthy world. So I want to make sure that I'm one supporting businesses that, that are doing things that are sus- beyond sustainable, regenerative. And that in my practices, at least growing things and in everything I do, we try to uh, leave the land better than we found it. So I think those are all really important things. And then there's obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the spinoff of just the the quality or just the the connection that comes with growing your own medicine. And when you use it, you can sometimes, you know, I, I think back to that plan and how it grew. And I think back to like, what it was like in the middle of the summer and those sort of dog days of August and, and that beautiful, gentle breeze and the birds singing, you know, it's a lot of healing to me is, is about our mental health and, you know, the, the stories that we kind of tell ourselves uh, in our minds. I I think a lot of people maybe can have a voice inside their head, you know, and, and I, I think the more positive things that that voice is telling us, the better. So the more close we can kind of live to the earth and, and walk in a good way. I, I, to me, that's, that's a really important thing as well. So I think those are some of the the most important things I can think of offhand for, for why growing cannabis. And I, I could do it just a quick shameless plug that I do have a book that I wrote during the pandemic on homegrown cannabis. So people are interested in learning how to grow that, um, by all means, check that out and, uh, or just find, uh, find some good information out there and, and have fun and, and grow some good organic cannabis at home. Throughout our talk here, you've mentioned your children a couple of times. My listeners know, our listeners know that my grandchildren are very much a part of my life. If we're using some of these cannabis products, whether it's the oils or whatever in the kitchen, things like that, what's, where does it come into effect with the kids? You know, yours are five to eight or nine, mine are anywhere from little to 12. Is that a part of their life as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think a, a place to start that would be if you're making cannabis or you have dried cannabis around or cannabis products, you do want to store them out of reach of children for sure. And and your pets for that matter. That, that's a whole nother topic is that a lot of people are using cannabis for their pets, for dogs and cats, and even I have friends with horses 
and it's amazing how it can work, but definitely store it out of reach of your, of children, because, and especially if you have made anything that is sweet, (laughs) that kids would like to eat, like, you know, raiding the cookie jar, so to speak. So if you've made cookies or brownies or cakes, definitely make sure it's in a place where the kids can't get at it because we don't want kids using using it at a, at a young age I'll, I'll say they, there's some studies that say we shouldn't use cannabis until we're in sort of our at least 18 or in even into our early 20s so i'm i'm conscious of of that and, and i always recommend that that you you store it where kids can't can't reach it with that said for us on our farm cannabis is is really just another plant on our farm. And, and I hope that that's where we go. Part of what I like to do with Organic Girl Canada is really just start to break down the stigma and the stereotypes around cannabis. Yes, it is a plant that we need to be conscious of and careful with around kids because it, it does have those psychotropic effects and, and impairing effects if used um, improperly or, you know, if used by children. And, and we don't want children to have that kind of an experience for sure. But there's also many plants, you know, that, that ha- like poison ivy, you know, I, I teach my kids, they, they can identify poison ivy, they know to stay away from it. There's certain poisonous plants or toxic plants that my kids know how to stay away from. So my kids have grown up with so many plants around that, you know, when my daughter Violet starts to, you know, starts to get a little cough, she'll go out to the garden and harvest a few different plants and bring them in and she makes herself a tea, you know, at, at seven years old. So I'm so proud of her for those things. Or she goes out and picks chamomile and makes herself a chamomile tea before bed. And I'm just, it warms my heart, but I know that that's not the norm for, for a lot of people, but it is, it is for us. And I, I like that. But cannabis for them, it's just, it's another plant. It's a plant that daddy likes to grow, you know, and, and we grow our cannabis in and amongst a lot of our other herbs. So I'm, I'm a big fan of um, what we call polyculture gardens, just the diversity in the garden. So you're attracting different pollinators and butterflies and, and different things. So it's, it's really just another plant that we, that we grow. So my kids are quite used to it. They know that it's not one that, you know, it will have to have another more di- different conversations when they get a little bit older because some people maybe had children that, you know, raided their supply or it's the whole, you know, just like a lot of kids or teenagers will sometimes go into their parents' liquor cabinet. If people still have liquor cabinets, I'm not sure, but I'm sure they do that maybe not in a cabinet anymore, but you know, you have to be a little careful about that with teenagers because they can, you know, maybe use it in, in that way. But I think to me, just letting kids grow up with knowing that it's just another plant. I, I don't talk about it being a drug. Like th- there's been a hundred years of prohibition. And if you read into the literature and why cannabis was made illegal in the first place, there really wasn't any rational reasons around it. So, you know, we'll all have different conversations with the kids as as they get older, because I'm sure they're going to probably want to try it at some point, you know, but I just want them to know that it's a, it's another healing plant that we grow. It has different medicines. And, and just like our kids know that there's certain plants that they, they aren't the right ones for them, you know, whether it's something like lobelia growing in our garden or, you know, there's certain ones that are a little bit more potent, you know, that, that, that aren't good plants for the kids to use. So I, I think that's uh, important, you know, is that we start to break down the stereotype and that we have our, our kids just see, see them as other plants 
in the garden. And, and it's my hope for the future that, uh, that the, our kids start to realize that, that there's so many different healing plants around us. I sometimes say that uh, cannabis is kind of a gateway to herbalism. So there's all these people that are so interested in cannabis, but there's also many other plants and herbal plant, like plants out there that have herbal constituents and, and ways of healing. And some of them will be used or could be used a lot more appropriately than, than cannabis. So, you know, I hope that people can, can start to realize that as humans, we've been using plants as food and medicine and say medicine in this case for hundreds of thousands of years. And it's only just in the last hundred years that we've sort of switched to a more pharmaceutical kind of approach but we use them because they worked and there's just many, many plants that, that we can use. So hope that that answers your question a little bit. Great analogy, because as you were saying that I'm thinking, yeah, all the children know they don't touch the bottle of wine on the sideboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when, when they reach a point, they're going to maybe want to, you know, my kids are still young, five and seven. so They're not really trying to, you know, I, I'm, not really drinking much these days. So I don't have to worry about that, but like there's going to become a point where they want to like have a little drink or, or could. So when they're younger, maybe you don't have to worry about it too much, but in the later teenage years, I think it's important to have, have those conversations just like we would with, with different things like sex and the birds and the bees and, and things, right. There's important things that we want to teach our children. And some, some parents have those conversations. Some parents don't. <laughs> I was actually just thinking that to have the conversations that our parents didn't have with us and we all learned the hard way. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get super specific for a moment. Back in the day, like decades ago when hippies roamed the earth, <laughs> yeah. um, I, did, <laughs> I did smoke a few joints with my uni buddies, my university buddies, but I didn't bother continuing because I promptly fell asleep and missed the party. And others I know tell the same story. I think you've touched on that about sort of the uh, sedative effect, but can you just, just explain that a wee bit more? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of cannabis can be a bit more sedating in it, in its effects, you know, and I think sometimes too, now I don't know about your specific experience, but as, as cannabis ages, it gets older. So this is the plant, sorry. Um, it, some of those cannabinoids <laughs> can convert into another cannabinoid called CBN, and CBN is something that a cannabinoid that, that really helps with sleep. <laughs> um, so sometimes if you've used cannabis that's, that's old or has been lying around for a long time, I know some people that have found cannabis that, you know, has been around for a few years and they smoke it. And then the same thing, they're, they're sleeping. So it could be that it's an older, it's older. And some of the cannabinoids, THC specifically is converted to CBN, which is, is uh, definitely more helpful with sleep and will make you fall asleep. And it could be just the, the variety. So there's a lot, you know, depending on what kind it was. And I think, you know, some of the years ago, the cannabis was definitely a little weaker. It's a lot stronger now than it used to be, mostly because people have bred it to be higher in THC. And there's a few reasons for that. One is just with prohibition. And if you think to prohibition with alcohol, people that were bootlegging alcohol during pro the prohibition days they were selling whiskey, not beer. <laughs> One, because it was stronger. And two, because it took up a lot less space <laughs> and they could make more money. And that's part of it. In a way, it's similar with cannabis is that they started to breed cannabis that late um, in the last 20, 30 years that 
is very much higher in THC and you kind of get sort of more bang for your buck, so to speak. So yeah, it was, you know, more than likely a bit more of a sedating kind of variety, which we tend to see a little bit more of on, on the market. Now we're seeing a lot of different varieties of cannabis and there's lots that are a lot more uplifting in its effects, but it definitely will, can have, have that effect. And then all of a sudden you're, you're sleeping (laughs) and going to sleep. So if you're finding a cannabis variety that, that does that to you, it can be a helpful one to use for sleep and maybe even anxiety as as well, because it's more sedating and it's more calming and then hence falling asleep after. (laughs) So maybe you've just also the same, only different with my second question. A friend of mine who is caregiver for her elderly mother who has advanced dementia, when her mother's dementia really ramps up even more, um, behaviors start getting really erratic. She uses an oral CBD oil to calm her mother down. It works really quickly. And is that the same sort of thing? It, it can be, yeah. Now, the CBD is generally, in general, a little bit more sedating than than. And there, there are some studies coming out with with uh, uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's that and, and dementia, sorry, that are showing it's it's it can be helpful for for many seniors and helping them to manage some of those symptoms um, such as agitation and things like that. So there's definitely some research coming out that that CBD is is really helpful with that. With things like dementia, it's also uh, can really help to reduce inflammation, reduce sort of oxygen uh, buildup. It, it stimulates the brain, I believe, and, and reduces sort of the decline of memory and, and brain function. So I think those are some of the ways that that cannabis um, is helping. You can, I know there's some websites on some of those, uh, like the Alzheimer's dementia website that you can go to and, and they go, get into some of the more extensive detail on, on how that works. But there's definitely some intriguing and interesting research that's, that's coming out. And the nice thing about plant medicine in general is you often don't get the side effects that come with pharmaceuticals. So Pharmaceuticals have their place. Allopathic medicine definitely has its place. We, we've we've um, advanced and, you know, for things like diagnosis and for, you know, x-rays and breaks and surgeries and things. Allopathic medicine is, is amazing. Antibiotics, they, they can work so well for us. But there is a lot of side effects that, that come. If, if you listen to some of those American pharmaceutical company commercials, where, where all of a sudden at the end, the guy talks really fast or the lady talks really fast. Uh, see, we, I don't think pharmaceutical companies can, can uh, promote their products in Canada. So we don't really get those commercials other than, than the inundation of American media. But let's see, I'm getting a little off topic on that. But uh, yeah, so to back up, like the plant medicine, it, it's, it's a lot more of a temperate type medicine. And this may be a good place to talk just briefly about like the difference between isolates and what we would call full spectrum cannabis medicine. So sometimes like with CBD, let's say your friend that's using your friend's mother using it for dementia, sometimes you'll get CBD as just an isolate. So it's just CBD. So they've isolated the CBD from the cannabis plant. And that can work for people. But what the studies show is that a full spectrum plant medicine So using all the parts of the flower and getting all the different chemical constituents. So in the case of cannabis, having a balance of THC, CBD, the terpenes, 
the carotenoids, carotenoids, flavonoids, and so on that are in the cannabis, it's kind of like a matrix. It's, it's all these constituents that are working together synergistically. So that's one of the beautiful things in my mind about herbal medicine is that some constituents will temper other ones, or they may make other ones more potent or work as catalysts in a way. So for things like CBD will help to temper the psychoactive uh, effects of THC. So that's a really important way, um, reason to have CBD in your cannabis medicine, because it helps to temper it down because of the, the CB receptors that it, it binds to within, within the body. So all the constituents, you're getting everything. And that's why we often don't get the same side effects that, that you'll get from taking pharmaceuticals. It's one of the reasons. Because even to this day, I, I think 75 or 80% of pharmaceutical medicines are plant-based. They, they come from plants, those chemical constituents. At least that's where they were first discovered and isolated from. So in the case of, let's say, something like St. John's wort, which is kind of known as the antidepressant medicine, it's, it's the hypericum is one of the active ingredients that they isolate from the, will isolate from the St. John's wort. But we're not getting that whole like matrix or all of those constituents that are found within the plant medicine. And that's why I think it's really important to look for, for full spectrum medicine or whole plant medicine, as opposed to isolates. Isolates kind of have a, a time and a place, but when we work with cannabis, all the research that's coming out is showing that having a nice balance of THC to CBD and a full spectrum medicine is, is usually, uh, it's from three to 300 times more uh, effective or better results in symptom management than, uh, than taking just an isolate on its own. So those are some some good reasons, I think, for, you know, growing your own and making your own products and, and buying and supporting full spectrum medicine as opposed to, to isolates. Okay, everybody knows that we're on Zoom, and I can see you and you have talked for, oh my goodness, we're over an hour, that's okay. You have not referred to notes, anything, you know this stuff. Is there like a master's degree in, in cannabis or is it just because you spent 20 plus years dealing with plants? Yeah, it's, I definitely don't have a master's. <laughs> um, you know, I, I actually uh, am fairly self-taught uh, and I had teachers. I had a lot of mentors, I would say, um, in my life that, that helped me. But most of what I've learned about cannabis, though, I would say is, is on my own. Uh, what I've learned about herbal medicine and, and health and healing definitely came from learning from others and taking classes and workshops and some apprenticeship programs and things like that. But yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm passionate about it. I, I love this plant. I think there's so much that it has to offer. I think it's coming at a time where, you know, it's really needed. There's a lot of elderly and aging population that, as I mentioned, a number of times that are dealing with pain and, and neurodegenerative diseases and things that I think cannabis can really shine and it can really help um, those people. So I, I just, I really want to get the word out. And I think when you're passionate about something, uh, you just dive in to it. You know, a lot of what I do in my life is what I do for work and what I do for fun and what I do with my kids. And it's all kind of the same. You know, I, I used to guide canoe trips for a living and, and people would, uh, some of my clients, and we've had clients from all over the world would say, uh, we'd be out for 10 days. And then they'd say, what are you going to do? your time off. And I was like, I'm going to go canoeing <laughs> and fishing, you know, or, 
you know, and, and nowadays I'm, you know, I'm working in the gardens. I'm, I'm either teaching people about plants or I'm working with plants myself or my kids and I are working with plants. So I think when you're, when you're passionate about something, you, you just dive deep. And, you know, I, um, a lot of my experience with cannabis just comes from, you know, 20 plus years of, of working with, with the, the medicine and working with the plant um, and my love and a lot of just sort of my experience and anecdotal, like what, what, how I see it work with people. And now, as I said earlier, the science is kind of catching up and, and the science is, is happening because in the past, no, no universities could get grants to run studies on cannabis because it was because it was illegal. And even in the U.S., because it's not federally legal yet, which I think it will be soon, it's it's hard to run some research. But there's so much happening now. So I love to just kind of dive down the rabbit hole of, of the science of it. And, you know, I, I have a lot to learn. Um, you know, I'm kind of now I'm like, oh, wow, look, I can I can dive into this stuff in this way. You know, I'm I'm a little more of an intuitive kind of person where I, I like, you know, what I can kind of sense and feel. And I don't always need to know the science behind it, but we live in a world where um, a lot of people won't believe anything unless the science backs it up. Um, you know, so the science is helpful, I think, for cannabis in that regard. But you know, there's a lot of people that have worked with this plant for for dozens and dozens of years that they just know it works. And you don't have to know the science. Sometimes, like I, I say, you know, I don't need to know that elderberry syrup helps me when, when I'm getting sick or, you know, that yarrow helps me with a fever, you know, or echinacea helps to boost my immune system. I don't need to know all the ways and the mechanisms of action within my body because I know it works because it's helped me and it's helped my children and it's helped people in my life. But it sure is nice to kind of have an idea of why it, it works or how it works, but it's, it's a different lens to view the world. I, I think I would say, you know, I have a lot of First Nations friends and I work with some First Nations communities and I really love the way that First Nations people view view the world, that Indigenous way of, of viewing the world. Or I study Qigong and, and Tai Chi and I, I love some of those Eastern traditions. So I think science is an, an amazing thing, and it, but it's really, it's one lens to view the world through. And I, I think it's important to realize that, you know, we all view the world in different ways, whether it's a spiritual way, a religious way, how, a scientific way, however we view the world, it's, um, it's the way that we view the world and experience it. So, you know, when you're, when you're passionate about things, you, you just kind of dive into them. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of smiling. I'm, I feel like my heart is flowing, <laughs> you know, cause I'm, I, I'm appreciating the conversation and, and I do have a, a big passion for this plant. Yeah, we can tell. That's great. That's so good. Now, I really wanted to talk about cannabis today because it's it's medicinal uses. It's it's mainstream. It's all well known now. But at the same time, it still seems kind of shrouded in mystery. So I appreciate so much what you've what you've explained to us today and shared with us. Uh, just quickly, you also grow herbs, herbs or herbs. Tell us more about that. Like what herbs you've touched on a few things there about their uses. What are, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, as a herbalist and a herb grower, I used to always get asked and I would teach, I've been teaching herbal medicine classes for 15 years now and, and how to make herbal medicines. And, and I would always get the, the question, what's your favorite plant or, 
Um, and I'd be like, oh, I don't really know. Like, I, I just love them all. It's like, what's my favorite bird or my favorite animal? It's really hard to pick or my favorite tree. Because I think with all of nature, the more you get to know it and the complexities, it's really hard to, to choose. It's like picking a favorite child, I think, you know. But I would also get a lot of, uh, what about cannabis or what about marijuana or weed, right? And I would always, I, I always just skirted that subject. I just never wanted to go there because I've, I've worked with kids and universities and different people. And I just didn't want to like get into the cannabis thing. It just, I, I kept that a separate part of my life. But now, you know, a cannabis is definitely one of my favorite plants, but there's so many to grow. Wow. Like I, I really have a fondness and a love for the native plants that grow in the Eastern woodlands here. So where, where I live in, in Great Lakes country and Anishinaabek territory, like I love the wild ginger. I love the trout lilies, the spring beauties, the blue cohosh, the wild sarsaparilla, um, a lot of the early spring ephemeral wildflowers that come up once the snows retreat and and the the hardwood trees haven't um their leaves haven't come out so you have this huge flush like blood root just beautiful wildflowers I love those plants so much I use some of them as medicine some of them I just really like to admire and then when it comes to growing plants in our gardens you know I I sometimes think of some of the first plants I ever grew in herb gardens that I have a real affinity towards so things like calendula um, which is a form of marigold that's really great healing for healing damaged skin and, and cuts and scrapes and things. We used it as for diaper rash when the kids were young. St. John's wort is one of my favorite plants to work with. I mentioned a lot of people use it for, for depression or seasonal affective disorder, SAD, I think it's called. But it, I use it a lot as a first aid medicine. It's really good for pain as well. So I actually mix it in to my cannabis salves. And I use it internally in the form of tinctures as well for things like sciatica, but it's great for burns and all those kind of things. Um, so I love those. I love chamomile. Yarrow, Achillea millifolium is one of my favorite plants to work with. Uh, elderberries, um, the Sambucus canadensis is the black elder that we have growing here in the East is is a favorite see like yeah the echinacea if I didn't just mention that uh the cohoshes like and then there's all the culinary herbs like a lot of the culinary herbs are actually you know we we've started to use them in cooking to help us with like indigestion and we we started to use them for so that we could mix various foods together and not be really gash gaseous if that's a word but I think like flatulence and and upset tummies and things like that. So things like rosemary and thyme and oregano and uh, some of those those plants, that's why we first started to use them more for their medicinal effects, maybe even more so than for their their taste. So, you know, we we grow a lot of different plants here, marshmallow and elecampane. There's always different ones that come each year, you know, that I that I get more excited about. But there's a lot of the ones I mentioned are kind of the old standards. Like each time they come up in the spring whether it's the wild plants in the forest or whether it's the perennial plants in our gardens, I just get so excited. Like it's, it's just like seeing new friends again. You know, a lot of us have been isolating over the last while. So, you know, when you see friends or family and you're just like, oh, wow. And you just want to give them a big hug. And, uh, you know, it's like that for me with the plants when they come up, like, 
there, there's a group of us um, that, yeah, we like friends of mine for years that, that were kind of calling each other, like, did you see the trout lilies? And I have friends that are like four hours north and they're usually about 10 days, eight to 10 days behind in the spring, whether it's the new arrivals of birds or plants or the budding of the trees. And I think as a naturalist, we just, uh, we share those stories because we were curious about nature and and uh and wildlife and and what's happening in the woods so it's like some people talk about the score of the hockey game and we talk about like what birds have come back or what's flowering and what's in season you know so it's uh yeah i i I love the the plants and i love growing them harvesting them from the wild taking care of them there's there's just something about getting our hands in the dirt and, and uh and connecting with the plants in that way and i think you know, as humans, I think a big part of our role on earth is, is to be caretakers and stewards of the land and to take care of it for not only ourselves, but for future generations. And, and I think that's a big responsibility that we have. And I think we've, in, over the course of human history, I think we've done a good job of that until relatively recently, um, perhaps since the Industrial Revolution you can say, but um, I think gardening is a remnant of that early land stewardship approach, you know, like I think there's so many people that find solace and and health and healing in their gardens growing, whether it's ladies that, you know, my grandma used to love to grow begonias and different daffodils and tulips and things like that. And and that was uh, a good place for her, I think, to be, you know, and, and some people like to grow vegetables and, and different flowers. And it's a place of health and a place of healing. And I, I think it's sort of uh, left over from that, that feeling of, or that responsibility as being caretakers. And, and I hope more of us can kind of get back to those things, you know, over time. So it's interesting the way you have mentioned your relationship with your First Nations neighbors. Uh, your appreciation of some of the Asian tradition, because much of both of them that I know, they, they know about the land, they know about the plants, but it's a lot of it is oral knowledge. And, you know, so the fact that you incorporate all of that, and you are so enthusiastic about it all, it just sort of all blends together into one amazing person called Alexis Burnett. So that, that's amazing. Thank you. Before we wrap, what haven't I asked you, whether it's about herbs or cannabis in all its forms, that you think is important? We touched on most of it? or yeah, Well, I think we touched on a lot. I, I kind of have a roundabout way sometimes of answering questions, so I, I sometimes go up on tangents. I like to think I reel myself back in and, and get back, but... Um, you know, I guess before we go, I can speak a little bit about some of the things that I have um, to offer or some of the things that we're running in terms of programs and classes, but. Oh, I'd love you to do but that. Before yeah, that, um, let's see, what would I like? I, I guess I would like to kind of impart that, you know, off the top of my head, I would say, you know, we're living in interesting times, <laughs> um, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that are uh, challenging in our lives. And I see in the world a lot of disconnection and I see a lot of divisiveness. And, and even before COVID, pre-pandemic, I, I felt that there was a lot of divisiveness, whether it was politically, socially, in, in our culture, at least in North America. And, and I think COVID is, has kind of added to that. 
And, you know, a big part of my work, whether it's with cannabis, with nature connection, anything that I do, it's about connection and, and it's about hope for the future. And, you know, to me, working with plants, working with cannabis, working with the land, being out in nature, it's, it's connection to me and it, it's hope. You know, I, I think that the earth will take care of herself whether we're around is <laughs> maybe a different story. But in the time that we have, and I hope it's a long, long time into the future, I, I want to focus on what connects us as, as people. You know, cannabis is a plant that traveled all the way around the world because it was an important plant. People chose to bring the seeds and to move it with them as they moved. When it came from the Tibetan plateau in Southeast Asia, into Africa, all around Asia and Europe, into South America, North America, as it moved around the world, people brought it because it was a plant that was important, whether it was culturally to those cultures, or whether it was something new to the, the to newer cult or to, to a culture, it was important. And I think it's an important these days to think about the things that connect us, and the things that hold us together and bind us together. Because I sometimes think about, you know, my, my dad who passed away five years ago, I, I kind of remember when I was a kid, him talking with some of his friends, you know, and, and they were, some of them were, you know, different, for the most part, they were all kind of Caucasian or, but there were some different people from different places, but different backgrounds, different religions, different viewpoints, different political perspectives, but yet it seemed like that for the most part, they could have a conversation around it and they could accept the differences. Whereas I see so much polarization today where it's sort of like you're either in this boat or you're not in this boat. And, and like you're either us against them or, you know, you're on one side of the fence or the other. And I, I hope we can work towards getting back to the place where we can just hear each other out, where we can have different opinions and we can have healthy conversations and that we can look at the things that connect us because, you know, we, we can't take our possessions with us when we go and we, and we can't take even our thoughts with us, but we can leave good tracks and, and we can leave a good trail behind us, you know, and, and we can impart our wisdom. And I think, you know, maybe some of your listeners, you know, there's something about some like indigenous cultures and, and cultures all over the world that really respected the elders and respected people from an older generation because they have wisdom. Because no matter how you live your life, you, you learn, we learn as humans, as we live our life and as we age. And we need to listen to people that have been through those things. Because sometimes even today in social media, we hear people talking about that, that are still around that went through World War II or went through the depression and there's been a lot of change that's happened in the last 80, 100 years, even in the last 40, 50 years, a huge amount of change. And sometimes I think uh, some people from that older life stage can, can share that wisdom, you know, that, that, that may sort of guide the way or shine a spotlight for us of where we're going to, you know. And, and I think for me, again, it's, it's about hope for the future and connections. And I hope that we can start to look for the things that bind us together as, as opposed to the things that draw us apart. And also use like, as humans, we're so smart. Sometimes I think we're too smart for our own good. Um, and, and we've left a trail of, of destruction in, in many ways 
on the earth, but there's time hopefully for us to turn some things around and, and maybe use that ingenuity and that, that um, incredible brain and intelligence that we have to bring us back and to use that intelligence to, to change and to, to forge a new path forward and to treat the land and to treat each other in, in a different way. So those are th- some things I want to share because th- those are on my mind a lot these days. You know, how do I want to teach my kids and, and what kind of a world do I want them to live in? And, and how do I want them to, to deal with conflict and, and things that come up in their life? You know, like I want them to be critical thinkers and open-minded and maybe more importantly, just get in touch with themselves and who they are. You know, I, I think if we all grew up and, and we followed our passions and our gifts and our visions in life, that it would be a bit of a different, a different world. And sometimes that may sound idealistic, but like, I think there's a, there's a spiritual side and there's, there's a part of our humanness that isn't always honored and practiced as much, you know, and, and I hope that, you know, people can learn to just sit and be content and quiet (laughs) with themselves and listen to that inner voice because we all have it within us. and, And I think that inner voice can guide us in a good way. So yeah, that's something I wanted to maybe share at the end organically from my heart. And you've two, two thoughts. You've won the hearts of most of our listeners because I know most of the women in my circle were all in our late 60s or early 70s. And we are calling ourselves the wise women mm-hmm. because we do have the knowledge. So I thank you for that. The other thought I had was last night I was listening to someone else's podcast. And a person they were interviewing said one thought they have often when they're in a situation, again, air quotes, is five years from now, who do I want to be in this moment? So five years from now, when you think back to the person you are today or the, how you're dealing with an issue today, what do you want to see? Like, what sort of person do you want to see when you look back? And, you know, if those, if those ideas could guide more of our actions today than maybe many much of the divisiveness that you've mentioned and I agree 100 percent the anger the frustrations all that stuff just might mellow out a bit so that five years from now we can say you know I handled that situation well I was I did the right thing in that moment and uh, so you just reminded me of that mm. yeah Okay, courses. Tell us about your courses because those look, and especially with all your knowledge. Oh my goodness, you're obviously the person to go to. Sure. Yeah. So we we run some programs, and you know, I'll start by saying, you know, you can you can learn a lot of all the a lot of this stuff all on your own if you want, but it can be a little tricky to navigate, especially the cannabis stuff. So that's part of why I, I started to run some courses on it. So we have sort of two main cannabis courses. One is the cannabis home growers course, which teaches you how to grow cannabis from seed to harvest and beyond. So we, we work with people throughout the growing season. And, and the nice thing is that it it is an online program, but people grow their plants at home. And then we meet every two weeks throughout the growing season on zoom, and we can share our thoughts, our ideas, we can ask questions, um, share photos, of our plants and I can kind of guide people through the growing season. So I've really enjoyed that one. We've done it for the last three growing seasons in a row. So in April, we'll, we'll bring in a new cohort of students and begin that journey again for the fourth time. So that's, um, I, I really enjoy that course. There's home, there's videos. I think we have somewhere around 30, 
35 hours of video lessons and there's PDF handouts. And then we have the live sessions as well through Zoom. And then I'm getting ready. I probably would have just started our new cannabis medicine making course when this airs. So if someone's listening to this now, you could still probably jump in the program if you want. It starts on January 24th. And in that program, we it's similar to the growing one that we have live sessions on Zoom that are on Monday nights that are recorded. And then we have uh, somewhere around 20-ish hours. You know, I think the growing course is maybe 40 hours and the, the you know, medicine making is 20-ish hours of, of lessons and handouts. And we basically just, we, we go through a lot of what I talked today in extensive detail. So we talk about the cannabinoids, we talk about the endocannabinoid system, the terpenes, um, we talk about how to prepare your cannabis for making medicine, how to go through the decarboxylation process. And then we go through making oils and butters and tinctures and glycerites and uh, a lot on dosing and calculating dosage and that. So, um, yeah, and, and that's, of course, we're going to just keep running every year. We generally open it up once or twice a year for new students. We have a great engaged online community as well, where people share and ask questions. So we have our own private sort of forum online where people can I share resources and I can answer questions that people have and uh, I'm just I really like the format of it just how we can be connected online for, and we have people from all across the country and, and around the U.S. as well and even a few people from further away but we can uh, connect live and then they can work through the course at their own pace and they have sort of lifetime access so they can go back and watch the videos and and that's been uh, been really fun. Um, I'll probably start to offer some in-person workshops again when when the time comes for cannabis anyways. But uh, those are our two sort of flagship programs right now is the Cannabis Home Growers course and the Cannabis Medicine Making. Um, so you can find out all that info on our website at OrganicGrowCanada.com. There's probably a link somewhere below the podcast here. Yeah, absolutely. You can check that out. And then or with Earth Tracks, for people that are closer, maybe in the local Ontario area, we run all kinds of programs, everything from wildlife tracking to herbal medicine making. We have a long-term wild plants apprenticeship program that meets one weekend a month for eight months and people camp out on our farm and we make, we gather from the wild and we make food and medicines and there's different themes each weekend. We do edible plants, medicinal plants. We do a spirit of plants and we do a basket making weekend. We do a land stewardship caretaking weekend. We do a roots weekend and medicine making. So we kind of have a theme each weekend. Um, so if anyone's sort of more local, you can come check that out. We also have one day foraging and medicinal plant workshops and, and the tracking stuff. We have a whole wildlife tracking program. And some people think tracking is just, you know, following animal footprints. But to me, it's, it's more about the awareness and the natural history of the world. So it's really about e- ecology and it's about understanding how and why the animals move across the landscape and how they interact and I, I really love tracking. It's 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 really about awareness to me and just being aware of, of the, the natural world. I sometimes say that tracking is the ultimate tool of the naturalist. You know, it allows us to look deeper at the land. So yeah, you can check out earthtracks.ca if you're interested in those. I think in the spring, we're actually going to um, launch a, an online edible medicinal plants program. I shot most of the videos last summer. So I'm hoping to offer that. So people that are maybe from a distance may be able to take part in that. I haven't done a lot of online stuff with Earth Tracks. It's mostly over the last 18 years been in person, but I'm going to start to offer a few probably online thing, options there in the future as well. And then 
if people are interested in ever ordering herbs, you can check out rebelrootsherbfarm.com. We ship all over the world, but um, a lot throughout Canada and, and the U.S., so we sell um, wholesale medicinal herbs and some herbal products. Um, my wife sometimes has like a tea share, like a where she'll send out teas four times a year, a bunch of different tea blends. And sometimes we've done a community sh- uh, supported apothecary. So sort of like a CSA for herbs. So yeah, there's an online store. You can, you can check that out as well. And uh, yeah, if people have questions after you're welcome to send me, send me an email. I'll try my best to get back to you in a relatively timely fashion, but definitely reach out if there's questions and things like that. I do have some cannabis seeds too. So if someone's interested in cannabis seeds, you could reach out to me directly and we can have a little chat around, uh, around that as well. But yeah, that's sort of in a nutshell, some of what we're offering. Now's the time where we sort of plan our whole year. So I'm excited to sort of see where uh, all the different offerings that we'll have this coming year as well. So it's funny as you're talking about your tracking and things like that, your outdoor school is my grandson just this past school year got into the Gary Paulson books. So um, he's going to be quite excited to uh, come see you in a couple of years, I'm sure, when he can camp out on your property. Oh, somewhere. nice. Under yeah. A tree. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. We will put all of the links into the show notes. That's great. Yeah, my last question was where do people find you online? But you've given us three websites. So that's great. I will add those in. Listeners, if you're interested in learning more about cannabis, do check out Organic Grow Canada. Um, You've just listened to Alexis. His knowledge is amazing. The links are all in the show notes. If you're interested in herbs or seeing the the world saved one small farm at a time, check out Alexis's and I guess your wife's Rebel Roots Herb Farm. Uh, That link is in the show notes as well. I recommend you check out the farm, if only to read the page called Our Dream. I read it. It's lovely. If you have comments on today's show, you can leave them where you're listening or at twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. Feel free to leave stars. They help us grow and they help us show up in searches. Hit the subscribe or follow button before you go and then you'll be notified about interviews with more of my great guests. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would, there's an application form at the website too. Alexis, thank you so much for being my guest today, and I'm just blown away by all I didn't know and how much you do know and how much you've shared with us, so thank you so much. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I I always get excited talking about things I'm passionate about, so I appreciate the work you do and and wish you and all your listeners a a beautiful 2022. Have, Have a great year. And the same to you and your family. And Have a great rest of week. We'll start there. (laughs) Bye-bye.